Hello, and welcome to Home Education Today podcast. I'm your host, Chauncey Lynn Childs, and on this podcast, we talk about challenges, concerns, and joys of providing a first-class education for our children at home. We also discuss methods and experiences with successful home educators, give a voice to concerned public school teachers, and anything else that strengthens our ability to teach and guide and direct our kids as autonomous, empowered, and joyful parents. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you enjoy the podcast. So today I was doing what I normally do, which is to uh, kind of start uh, start my, my research day with looking through Facebook and um, you know, some of the sites that I, that I frequent and listen to some of the conversations going on. And uh, I came across uh, a post by a teacher um, that I'm friends with in Utah. And he had posted um, about uh, critical race theory. And so, of course, I wanted to read, read the comments on that and find out what, uh, what people were saying. He has a really good following of uh, people from many different uh, pers- persuasions, political, social persuasions. And uh, so he's such a respectful guy that they will engage in conversation with him. So I'm reading through uh, the comments and I come across this article um, that somebody's posted from a site called Learning for Justice. And the uh, name of the article was Recognizing White Privilege Begins with Truly Understanding the Term Itself by Corey Collins. And it's it's a little bit older, it's 2018. So I'm, I'm the kind of person I really like to, uh, I'm, I'm definitely not put off by other people's opinions or or any of this, I, I don't read things just to refute it. I don't uh, try to be obnoxious about that and, and just uh, you know get in your face. I really am I'm terribly curious about um, critical race theory and white privilege and, and all of these terms that have been coined and are being thrown around and used so much these days. It, it isn't just to uh, tell the person where they're wrong. I really do want to understand deeply this the other side of this uh this coin or you know people on the other side of the aisle who are just absolutely convinced that um we need to embrace critical race theory and and we need to uh you know admit our white privilege and so forth so i opened up this article and and literally it was just it it just kind of it's not unlike many of the other things that I've read. Okay, so it's not that it's completely different or, or new information. Um, but I decided it was just time on a video to just address some of this. Um, I've been doing a lot of writing about it that I haven't published um, anywhere. And it's time to just talk about it and just join the conversation. So this is what I'm going to do. Um, one of the first things that they say that is just it makes me a little crazy, honestly, is this. I'm going to, I'm going to quote right from the, right from it. It says, 
And while not all white people participated directly in this mistreatment, their learned biases and their safety from such treatment led many to commit one of the most powerful actions, silence. And just like that, the trauma, displacement, cruel treatment, and discrimination of people of color inevitably gave birth to white privilege. So I have some good friends who I, I always consider good friends. I had a lot of respect for them. Um, they're the, the, the man in this relationship is, is a public school teacher, had, had a lot of respect for him. But the day that I saw a white privilege, I'm sorry, a Black Lives Matter sign in his window was, was the day I, I kind of lost respect. Because at the time here in Portland, there were uh, riots going on, Black Lives Matter riots, destroying public property, destroying businesses, destroying federal property. And it was going on and on and on for months. And this was, of course, after the, after the George Floyd um, murder. And um, I, under, I could not understand how somebody who I consider to be a pretty intelligent person um, could do that until I started reading stuff like this, that the point of one of the ways that you show that you are a racist is that you are quiet about racism that it is no longer acceptable to simply live your life. Uh, you have to, if you are going to prove yourself to be anti-racist, you have to be constantly talking about it, talking about your white privilege, talking about white privilege throughout society, talking about Black Lives Matter, talking about um, discrimination, et cetera, et cetera. It, you have to always be articulating, always fighting it, or else you are a racist. <laughs> the, the most amazing thing about the, the racism movement, the racialization of America, which is a term I'm going to turn over on the other side. I'm going to turn it back to them is that there are so many ways that we are biased against each other. I am sure that if you took a poll, if you actually did a study on, and I'm sure people have done this, and I don't know, you just never hear about it, but something we don't talk about lately. I'm sure if you took a, if you, if you did a study, you would find that ugly people are just, as discriminated against, if not a great deal more than are black people or people of color. Same goes for overweight people. I am sure that if you went into, if you were able to do a study and you looked at the number of people, like later on, they talk about um, in the article, they talk about um, a study that was done in Australia. Okay, and it was they 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 took fifteen hundred people of um, fifteen hundred people, and they had them um, try to get on a bus without having the fare and saying I I don't have I don't have fare for the bus will you will you allow me to to get on and ride anyway, and 
like 71% of the black people were refused and only 37%, I don't remember the exact numbers, uh, were refused um, admission onto the bus because they didn't have, they, so some were, you know, more, many more whites were extended compassion than were blacks. So this proves that we have this unconscious bias. Well, not only is that a terrible, that, that's just, that's just not scientific. I'm sorry. It's, it's not a scientific way to do it. You, you have to, you have to allow for all kinds of other things. And each person on the planet comes with certain biases. Okay. Some people hate redheads. Some people dislike blondes or think that blondes are stupid. Okay. Because of all the blonde jokes that we've heard for many years, a lot of people feel like fat people are lazy and they're not going to do a good job, you know, in whatever they're being hired to do, that they're, that they're inherently lazy and sloppy and they're not going to do a good job. You have discrimination against, um, religious people. Okay. I happen to be a member of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I can promise you that I have experienced all kinds of bias and all kinds of prejudice because of that. Cause I, because I am, and I don't care. I don't let it affect me in any way, but it has definitely happened many times overtly and discreetly in all kinds of situations. Um, obviously there's a lot of bias against women still. Obviously there's a lot of bias against strong women, strong women with opinions and strong women that get on, um, you know, videos and podcasts and talk about white privilege. <laughs> in any given kind of, of a, profession. If I were to try to be a, in construction or in auto mechanic, if I were trying to be an auto mechanic, if I were trying to be a welder, you know, in a male dominated world, I would, there would be immense pre, um, prejudice against me. And you talk about disabled people. If, if you were to, if you were to put blacks up against disabled people, or if you can put whites up against black disabled people. I mean, you can choose any demographic and you can take any situation and you can, you can skew it all over the place and you can find prejudice and privilege or lack of privilege in any situation, comparing any two, two groups and find anything you want. And the fact that they bring these things up and they do these studies and they put that out there as evidence is, 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 is just completely, it's, it's illogical, it's disingenuous, it's anti-intellectual. There is, there's no excuse for people putting this stuff out there and saying, now here's the proof. It's not proof of anything. It simply proves in a very, very, very narrow, very narrow situation. I mean, you can't even see between my hands, okay, that there is some, something's going on with some set of bus drivers who have their own set of experiences with black people and white people in that particular city, in that particular area where they're, I don't know what the, all the parameters are. Were they, were they in, a, in a black neighborhood? Were they in a white neighborhood? 
Were they in a mixed neighborhood? Were they in a rich area? Were they in a poor area? Were they in the same city? Did it take place over several cities? No parameters are given ever for these studies. It's only this, this general, you know, this, this general fact that they're giving you, this anecdotal thing, and say it's saying it's a study when it's there's there's no way to tell. They don't, they don't um, they don't make allowances for all kinds of different reasons why that could happen. So that's just the beginning. I I cannot sit here and say that my silence on anti-racism, I'm not going to accept that somehow that is contributing to racism. Okay, I don't, I cannot spend all of my time speaking out about all the injustices in this world of which racism is one tiny, it's a tiny element of all the injustices that are occurring in this world, okay? I, and I'm not gonna devote my life to that. I, we can't. And it's, it's irresponsible to ask us to do that. Okay, let's go on. So here's another statement. White privilege is not the assumption that everything a white person has accomplished is unearned. Most white people who have reached a high level of success worked extremely hard to get there. Instead, white privilege should be viewed as a built-in advantage separate from one's level of income or effort. Well, that's, they just kind of contradicted themselves right there, okay? They just contradicted themselves. What he's trying to say here is, yeah, okay, well, we could acknowledge that, that anybody who accomplishes anything had to work, work to get there, but they wouldn't have gotten there uh, if the, with the same amount of effort, if they were a black person, they wouldn't, they wouldn't be where a white person is. That's what they're trying to say here. Really? Why does Oprah Winfrey exist? Okay. Why does, why did Michael Jordan exist? Why did Condoleezza Rice exist? Why does Ben Carson exist? They existed because there isn't a white person in their place. And there's no white person on the earth that could take their place. There's no white person who could have accomplished what they've accomplished with the power. And I could name thousands of other people of color, not just blacks, Hispanics, and African, American natives, all, lots of people of color who've accomplished amazing things that could never have been accomplished by a white person. Just wouldn't happen. There is no such thing as the equal of Oprah Winfrey of a white woman or a white man for that matter. She has immense power, immense influence and a lot of wealth, just billions, right? I don't know what her net worth is, it's billions. And there's, there's, she has no white counterpart, right? Let alone having a black president, okay? Nobody is stopping any black person from doing anything. And there are plenty of black people that have reached the pinnacle of their success by working hard. And if there was a built-in advantage, are, are you, is this person trying to say that isn't somebody that's tried to be Oprah Winfrey? that there's no white woman or white man that's tried to gain as much 
influence and power as Oprah Winfrey does, or you know, name the sport, name the media stars, name the you know, in, in all throughout the arts and entertainment, <laughs> all throughout um, you know, athletics, professional athletics. They just aren't. The it's it's not even an arguable thing. Okay. Here's another one. It was only after discrimination persisted for years after the Civil Rights Act of 1964 that people like Peggy McIntosh began to view white privilege as being more psychological. A subconscious prejudice perpetuated by white people's lack of awareness that they held this power. White privilege could be found in day-to-day -day transactions and in white people's ability to move through the professional and personal worlds with relative ease. Okay, but some people of color continue to insist that an element of white privilege included the after effects of conscious choices. For example, if white business leaders didn't hire many people of color, white people had more economic opportunities. Having the ability to maintain that power dynamic in itself was white privilege and it endures. Legislative bodies, corporate leaders and educators are still disproportionately white and often make conscious choices, laws, hiring practices, discipline procedures that keep the cycle on repeat. Okay. One of the problems with the whole, this whole thing is that it is it, again, another theory that if you are a white person, you cannot understand a black person's plight. You, you cannot represent a black person. Only black people can represent black people. Now this is this is super interesting, and and the reason why I'm even addressing white privilege, is because I'm in the education space, right? I am trying to start a business, um, a platform, to connect to connect teachers who don't want to be in the public system anymore to parents who don't want their children in the public system anymore, and uh, to grow that space in a in a market based a free market-based platform where people can negotiate salaries, they can negotiate times, they can tailor make an amazing uh, education for their child. Or as a teacher, you can put materials out there, curriculum, you can build your own curriculum. You can, um, you can do anything you want. <laughs> you can make it, you can, you can find a tiny little niche. You can teach overseas. You can teach poor kids. Um, you can volunteer, whatever you want to do, make, make your career meaningful again to you. So this is what I, this is what I'm trying to do. And I would ignore the white privilege thing altogether. And I would say, um, you know, I could say to myself, I'm just going to, um, I'm just going to find the people who don't want to pay attention to this and who want to create leaders of their, I don't care what the color of their skin is. I don't care what their economic level is. I'm going to create a platform where people can really flourish educationally um, and have all kinds of opportunities. Unfortunately, this white privilege and critical race theory stuff has, is so permeating our society at this point that it just has to be addressed. It has to be it, 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 ha it has to be spoken about. We have to talk about it and debunk it. Okay, it has to be, it has to be debunked or else we're gonna get nowhere. 
you know, the educational uh, opportunities and level of, of particularly the poor, particularly the disadvantaged of every color are going to continue to plummet. That's it's we just have to we have to stop this and it needs to it needs to be addressed in a way that is truly uniting and, and truly effective because articles like this show us it is not effective. For instance, this is also from that same feed and I have to read it to you. So somebody was talking about um, uh, social emotional learning and what that means today, because some of the people were saying the social emotional learning curriculum that is being taught, especially to younger kids in, in elementary school uh, is so valuable. It's helping kids you know, from these disadvantaged homes that, that are just not you know, dysfunctional homes. They're just not teaching their kids what needs to be taught. And somebody responds to that and she says, this is the former and generally understood definition of SEL, social emotional learning. However, the term was co-opted by the CRT proponents over the past few years, and that is evidenced in national curriculums for quote-unquote SEL that incorporate CRT principles, critical race theory principles. Now that they own the term CEL, social emotional learning, we are calling our program and services that support students in these way, our character education program. So this gal is a teacher and she's saying, we can no longer call this SEL. We have to call it something else because we, uh, we don't incorporate critical race theory, okay? We have no choice to not use the term SEL. And if your teaching isn't influenced at all by CRT, maybe your school should cease using the term SEL. At our schools, we don't espouse the CRT SEL tenants, so we won't use the term any longer. Here are a few of the CRT SEL tenants, okay? Number one, schools should predetermine a child's social emotional needs based on their race, poverty level, disability, religion, etc. So if you are white, male, Christian, and, and middle class, your school, based on this SEL CRT curriculum, you're gonna be profiled <laughs> and they're gonna tell you what your social emotional needs are, okay? You're gonna be profiled as a kindergartner, a first grader, your child. Number two, schools should prioritize children with these immutable characteristics for social emotional support, regardless of their true needs. So you're going to be put in a cubby. You may be, you, you may not need any of those things that they've decided you need as a child or that your child needs, but they're going to treat you that way anyway, as if because of the, the little profile that they've made of you. De determines that's what the, you need, whether you need it or not as a child. Number three, teachers who are white can't presume to understand a child of a different race and provide instruction and leadership to them regarding how to achieve success. It's just what I just said before I started this. If you are white, you cannot, you can't even teach a child. They're making it so that whites cannot teach anybody but other whites. 
and Blacks cannot teach anybody but other Blacks. Wow. Number four, schools can assume a parental responsibility and role if the student's behavior is bad enough. Parents can be cut out of the process and children taught independently and without the knowledge of the parents. This is what's going on. This is exactly what's going on in our schools. By the way, this is in Utah schools. This is in Utah schools. And if it's in Utah, very conservative place, it's, it's everywhere. I'm gonna continue on with this article on another video. Um, we'll call this part two. I'm just gonna stop right there. I wish that I could really articulate and I could really express <laughs> out of the left side of my brain, how sad, how angry I am over what is going on in our country, what is going on in our school system. When I started out trying to do this business, I, I was trying to be nice. I was trying, <laughs> I was just trying to help, you know, open eyes in a nice way, but I, I can see that I cannot be true to myself and I cannot be true to you. I cannot be true to you, my, my, my someday audience, uh, by, by being nice. I may even end up getting emotional, which I'm going to try not to do. I'm going to try not to yell. <laughs> I'm going to try not to, uh, I'm not going to use bad language, but, um, I don't know. The, the anger, the frustration is building within me. The more I read of this sort of thing and what, what little kids are being subject to, uh, the harder it's getting to not, to not blow my top. So be watching for part two. It'll be coming up in a few minutes. Hey, thanks so much for listening all the way to the very end. By listening to the entire podcast, you've proven yourself to be the kind of person that is forward thinking and you're concerned about our current culture. And you also believe that you can change the world. I believe that by having these simple discussions that we can really make a big difference in the world, really have an impact. And I hope that you'll share this information with others so that together we really can make a positive change.